welcome to the Texans take. Okie Boom. Ah, so, um, this was, anyway, so the wine, I really like this. Not sure that's where, I did not think that's where you were going. Oh yeah? Where did you think? I didn't know where you were going, but you were like, this is, uh, and then you stopped and I was like. My mind is just like, still trying to process this wine. This story is going to be good, I can tell. And then you're like, so this wine, and I'm going. What? <laughs> that was you like led up to it, like you know, baiting me for a good story, and then you're like, "Yep, wine's good." <laughs> well, I mean, what do you think? I think it's very good. Now, what do you think about it compared to the others? Um, so to me, it's a little better. It's hard to say. It's a little better, and but I, it's hard to say better. It's different than Copperwood. I still like Copperwood. Oh, it still is number one of my favorites. We'll get we'll get a. Have we not got copy. We have not got copy. Okay, yet. since we started, so we'll 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 talk about copy yeah. when it gets here. As of the ones we've tried, since we, we started doing tried this. we started doing um, this. I definitely like it the best. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, it's got a full flavor, full body. It's yes. not too dry, not too sweet. Exactly. It's got a good after flavor. It's, it's got good balance. Mm-hmm. Now I will say there's not there's no. Um, hold on, and the after flavor is quick. Yes, the after flavor is very quick. So those other wines had a lingering after flavor. And that's good, I think. It depends on what you're eating, honestly, I think. It, it does, it does. If um, you're eating something that uh, that would require that, like I, I would say a good red wine would, would go well with uh, something that has a lingering flavor would go well with pasta. Oh, yeah. Something that would have yeah. not have a lingering flavor would go well with meats, like yeah. red meats and stuff like that, yeah. because it's quick and then you can still enjoy the flavors of the meat. Right. However... The flavors of the lingering aftertaste in some of the wine is going to actually help the flavor of the pasta. Right, stuff. right. <laughs> and so, in my most humble of humble opinions. Yeah, yeah. So, That's um, humble opinions. Go. What was I going to say? I don't this know. Has, uh, this has a very low, very low bitterness. <laughs> oh yeah. And I think that might be the reason why it doesn't have as lingering, you know, an aftertaste. Um, right. Yeah, I was even saying. And uh, <laughs> for me, I think wine should have bitterness. This has some, but I, I feel like it it could almost use just a little bit more. Um, just because I kind of like that lingering aftertaste. Yeah. I agree. And this um Okay, so let's 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 go through the uh, um, all the different tastes and sensations and kind of break it down a little bit. So the sweetness, I would say that the sweetness is about a 90 to a 95% on the Stuart Perfection scale. This is about exactly how I like it. You know, I'm not going to give it a hundred because I don't think a hundred is attainable. Uh, I haven't had that wine yet. It was just perfect. Yeah, it was just like uh, it's always room, room, uh, room for error. It's kind of like you'll never find perfection, but you can certainly try. This is pretty, pretty right. gosh darn close. This is very, very close because it's you know 
It's, and I mean, the wine's it's not expensive. It's very affordable. Oh, it was less much? than ten dollars. Really? Was, it was nine and some change. Oh. I mean, so the wine itself is it's got a very affordable price point. And the name is Black Blackstone. This is a this Merlot. is the Blackstone Merlot. They call it a California. It's a well, it's a California red. Yeah. But um, Merlot. So they call it the winemaker's yeah. select attractive Merlot. label. Honestly, <laughs> it doesn't. It's Sadly, just... that's actually how I peg wine. I really? look at the label. Yeah. So my philosophy, and I've I've held this for quite a long time now, is if a company puts money into marketing, yeah, they probably put that amount or more into production. Yeah. So if they have a good aesthetics on their their label, something that really catches the eye they took time on that so yeah, they probably yeah. took time creating their product once one would hope that being said it's not a perfect science but it does work not, out most yeah, of the yeah. time there's a lot very, of there's a lot of absolutely fantastic products out there some of the best actually that you know have poor labeling kind of like a kind of like the best restaurant in the world is not going to be a five-star restaurant it's going to be Your some, mom little, and pop. some little mom and pop where yeah. it's just like oh my gosh i've got to keep coming back and don't you die anytime soon mom or pop because i want your food yeah you know um but um so as far as sweetness this is really good as far as a, a sweetness scale goes from zero being dry bone dry and 10 being like a, a sangria or something. Well, wine gets even sweeter than that if you look into like the chocolate, the chocolate wines and stuff. Yeah, this is as but far as I would say, as far as a red wine sweetness go, six. putting Merlot at a ten, I would say it's about a six. Yeah, yeah. it's about a six, and that's it's, about how I it's like. It's good. It. It's good. It's just sweet enough to give everything else a good flavor, and it's good. It's it's sweet enough because if it's so sweet that you're drinking it really quickly. Or you want to drink it quickly, despite the fact that you can't. It's not a wine should be drank. Exactly. No. And so this is just sweet enough to where you, you know, you keep grabbing the glass again. You want a little bit more, but it's not so sweet. Um, you know, it's not so sweet that it's sickly or anything. It's got a really good balance. Um, and uh, so bitterness, very low bitterness. So those last couple of wines that we had... Um, they were drier, definitely not quite as sweet. Um, they would pair and the, well with a good dessert. With a good dessert, yeah. They, yeah. Pair, they, they would actually be good dessert ones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, both uh, of the last two that we tried, both the Devils, and, the Devil's Velvet, and or the Velvet Devil, and, yeah. and uh, what, was the last, what was the last one? Uh, what was the last one? It was, I'm going to have to create a spreadsheet. I keep forgetting. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, both of those would, would be dessert wines just because they lacked in the overall sweetness. Yeah. But would go well with like a good good chocolate cake oh, or sure. a good cheesecake. Something where you're Ooh. already... Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. I just made both of us instantly hungry. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Wow. Actually, I've never had wine and cheesecake. Oh, that'd be good. That would be really good. Cheesecake. Dude, what do y'all think, huh? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the last wines they had, they were higher on the bitterness, right? Yeah, no. you know, like a sixty or seventy um, out of a hundred. This one is very low. I'd give it maybe a twenty. Yeah, if not, it's less. not. It, it has a full flavor. It's not it's so not bitter. A very full flavor to it. It's not meaty by any extent, but it's got. It does have that fullness to it. Um, as far as uh, darkness goes, like pretty body, it's decent. I would say it's got 
about the same as the last one. Yeah, it's a little lighter. Um, and a little lighter. Much. Um, but you know what this is? This is the absolute most perfect. One hundred percent would buy it every time. Communion wine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This would be like, like you know. Uh, and see their actual label as far as a. <laughs> what they say it is supposed to taste yeah, like. I actually, I agree with this. Oh, okay. So there, Mer- it says our Merlot shows a rich blackberry, plum, and raspberry yes. flavor. Yes, I'm getting all hints of, of vanilla and toasted French bread. I can, I can see the vanilla. I can taste that. The French bread, though. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> well, they may have been stretching a bit with that one. Nope. Still not coming. Yeah, <laughs> vanilla. I can, I can. That's in the after flavor. Okay. Ta- I can't say that I tasted the vanilla, but maybe now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> in the it's in the after flavor. Okay. It's really that sharp after flavor. You can get the hints of vanilla. All right, if you say so. No, <laughs> I'm not tasting it yet. Now it's 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 a sharp vanilla, like not what we would consider vanilla, but more of like think vanilla extract. Right, right, right. Like straight vanilla. Which is where you get a lot of that. Okay, okay. Now, hold on. There's vanilla in the, in the smell. Yeah, you can smell that. Yeah, yeah. And as far as stuffiness, my nose is at a... Yeah. It's not completely clear. I don't know why. So that's uh, overall really good wine. We'll definitely have it again. I will definitely put it in my wine rack. Yes, week. yes. That's a good one. This is a keeper. Uh, so on the uh, the stew the stew scale of uh, wine asomnity, I would give this one a seven five. Yeah, seven I think five. I think I'm with you on that. Yeah, this is this is very good wine. It's a very good wine. There could probably be better, but this is oh, pretty absolutely good. better. But um, and now this scale, I mean, you cannot put all wine on one scale. No, you would be no. foolish to do that, and so. And we're primarily doing red wine wine here. This is a a red wine. Right. And this is a inexact science. And uh, I am the furthest. This is our personal opinion. Yeah, this this is is the furthest thing from a wine connoisseur that you, you know, that you could find. I am not a wine connoisseur. I just drink this stuff because I enjoy the flavor. I'm not like. I do not taste the little hints of the vanilla and all the little plum. Oh, this has a little oak. And is that what it is? No. Um, <laughs> and thankfully, you don't pretend to be like some people. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> some people, like honestly, William. I that was exactly. And I don't know if he is like legit, like if he's you know uh, tasting all the subtleties. But I think that he is. I think that he is. William has not a trained palate, but a decently sensitive one. Um, granted, his mind on the subject is a little stronger than his palate, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, like, he would never consider this to be a good wine because it's not twenty dollars. That you know, this is if I if I led I led with the price with all of y'all, but if I had told him the price first, he would have never drank it. You know, I had to. I had to or tell, it would have affected his him, decision. Yeah. So I had to tell him that I bought Copperwood for fifteen dollars before he would actually try. He's like, "Oh, this is a good wine." I was like, "Yeah, it was actually sick." You know what? You know, and then he was I like, "Well, I could see that." I'm like, "No, you can't." No, yeah, stop. <laughs> I, there's a video. I love you, bro. But <laughs> it's actually a documentary. 
by uh, one of my favorite comedians, um, John Cleese. British. Okay. He's old. Mm. He's one of the main actors in the uh, the uh, Monty Python mm-hmm. uh, troupe. Uh, I don't know if any of y'all have ever watched Monty Python, but it's incredibly uh, off the wall, uh, ridiculous um, British, British humor, British seventies and eighties humor. Maybe just seventies. I don't know. But I really enjoy it. It's it's funny to me, most of it anyway. Some of it's a little And Cleese is he's one of those people who could not survive in today's comedy. He, he is actually. He is certainly he's one of these people that he stepped aside because he said I, I can't enjoy myself without offending people. That's that's you know that's a comedian's job is to offend. You know, good grief. If you watch um five minutes, five minutes of one of the most celebrated comedians of all time, Robin Williams, <laughs> watched five minutes of his stand-up, and he has offended half the world. He would, he would be as I mean, he, he would hits, be sad. Today. He hits every single like watching in five like, minutes. He did it. He did done. Yeah, he did. You know, and he's an equal opportunity offender, if you will. No, you he know, doesn't care. Nobody's funny. Safe. Nobody's safe. funny in that moment. He going, he yeah, he's going to say it, and it's going to be like you know, um, uh, it can be pretty darn lewd too. You know, so uh, uh, maybe wait until the kids are a little bit older. Yeah, but um, anyway, so uh, John Cleese is very brilliant. He's very smart, um, and uh, comedy is his thing. And, you know, that's one of the reasons that he's so upset at this modern world, because, you know, basically, you know, political correctness, you know, uh, doesn't allow you to offend anything. And he's like, you know, there's no point in existence if you can't have fun. Um, and so he uh, he's very against political correctness in, in, in that area that, you know, you can't you can't make fun of things anymore, which is what comedy is, which is his job. You know, it's what drives him. And um, anyway, that's cool. But he did a documentary about wine. And he really? Watched it. It's actually really, really good. Now, um, he comes to a very interesting conclusion. And uh, his conclusion at the end of this very well done documentary, and he goes, he buys thousand dollar wine. He goes to find restaurants and he orders their cheapest wine, their most expensive wine. Um, and the conclusion of the video is, it doesn't matter how much wine costs. Wine is good if you believe it's good. Wine is good if you like it. If you buy a thousand dollar wine and you don't like the flavor, then it's a bad wine. Don't buy it. If it's a $5 wine, and you've got to think it's just absolutely wonderful, then it's a good wine. Buy it. You know, uh, he did a really interesting test. Um, he took wine connoisseurs, like notable wine connoisseurs, five of them, and he did a blind <laughs> test with wine. Um, and he has a thousand dollar bottle five hundred dollar bottle can you imagine I I like turn my nose up at some of the thirty dollar bottles yeah 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 actually you might have two thousand anyway five hundred hundred dollar bottle fifty dollar bottle and a five dollar bottle and 
all the bottles have their labels covered. All the connoisseurs have their eyes covered. You know, they cannot, all they can do is taste and smell. Um, and, you know, he pours out, he pours some wine. They try all of the wine. And basically their job, their only job is to put the price tag on the correct <clears throat> bottle and see where you land. Okay, so, oh, well, this is good. It's got hints of this and that. Oh, I can taste the flavor. Oh, well, mm, yeah. Oh, oh and there's a little oak in there. Oh, is that, is that hickory? What is that? Oh, man, you know. <clears throat> With an aftertaste of orange, I think that this is the $500 bottle of wine. Another one. Oh, my goodness. Wow, this is, you know, this is really, really good. Not $1,000 good, but it's the best, you know, it's just, I, I think that this is, it's a decent wine. This is a $50 bottle. Um, and somebody else is like, wow, this is the best wine I've ever had. This has got to be a $1,000 bottle. These are wine connoisseurs, mind you. And they're all giving their critique on these wines. Well, when the blindfolds are off, they've tried all the wine. The $1,000 bottle of wine, I do not think, got a ring. It was not. Nobody thought that it was it was the most expensive wine. Someone, one of the connoisseurs, placed the thousand dollar bottle as a five dollar bottle, and some of the connoisseurs placed the five dollar bottle as the thousand dollar bottle, and then everything in between. And so, what was the conclusion? The conclusion is, if it tastes good to you then it's a good dollar, it's a good bottle of wine, you know? And uh, he's like, so when you go to a restaurant, don't ask the waiter for your best wine because they're all they're going to do is give you the most expensive wine. You know, find out what you like in wine and then order that, you know? So anyway, I thought that was really cool. It is really um, cool. I had to watch and it. This uh, this wine that we're drinking here, the the Blackstone, this is getting a seven five out of ten, uh, seven point five out of ten, and uh, uh, we'll uh, take a break right here. We went over a little bit. Sorry about that, but we'll be right back. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. <laughs> Sam Uel, and finished the first chapter of Hoist Kings. Um, and so in the last chapter, Adonijah was trying to uh, take the throne, just like up and take it from uh, Solomon, who didn't have the throne yet, but was promised the throne. And uh, Adonijah decided to step up to the plate and... So Bathsheba and, um, oh, I say and them a lot. Let's see, who else? It was Bathsheba. Um, Nathan the prophet. Uh, Beniah the son of Jehoiada. And maybe a couple others. Uh, came to David and said, hey, man, did you not promise the throne to Solomon? Uh, because Adonijah is kind of, you know, playing in your seat. Right. And uh, David is like, I did indeed say, and 
Solomon shall be king. Put him on my mule, give him my crown, and have everybody cheer for him. Sounds like a plan to me. And so, so Adonijah was afraid of Solomon because, you know, he was just playing with the chair and the crown. Solomon was given it and mm-hmm. was like, hey, uh, I'm actually king now, um, not you. And so Adonijah's like, oh, shoot. And so we had talked about before kind of the, your three options for people who are um, against the current uh uh royal people against the current administration and that is um let's see do nothing not really an option kill them or banish them right and we're going to read chapter two and see if any of those options get used so david's instructions to solomon two Now the days of David drew near that he should die. And he charged Solomon his son, saying, Ladies and gentlemen, we are reading from the Duck Commander Faith and Family Bible, New King James Version. Remember that, Solomon? That's not what he said. Let's see. Saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies. As it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may fulfill (coughs) his word which he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons take heed in their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, he said, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. Mm -hmm. Moreover, you know also what Joab, the son of Zeruiah, did to me and what he did to the two commanders of the armies of Israel, to Abner, the son of Ner, and Amasa, the son of Jether, whom he killed. And he shed the blood of war in peacetime. And put the blood of war on his belt that was around his waist, and on his sandals that were on his feet. Therefore do according to your wisdom, and do not let his gray hair go down to the grave in peace. But show kindness to the sons of Barzillai the Gileadite, and let them be among those who eat at your table. For so they came to me when I fled from Absalom, Absalom your brother. And see, you have with you Shemai, the son of Gera, a Benjamite from Beruim. Baurim. I'll get it one day. <laughs> uh, who cursed me with a malicious curse in the day I went to, the, uh, to Manhanaim? But he came down to meet me at the Jordan, and I swore to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put you to death with the sword. Now, therefore, do not hold him guiltless. For you are a wise man and know what you ought to do to him. But bring his gray hair down to the grave with blood. Wow. So David says, this is, uh, yeah. David is basically saying, uh, you know, he's giving him wisdom as a king. And he's kind of pointing out 
people who were the most bloodthirsty in his regime. Joab was a, a mighty soldier and stood by David the whole time. But as David pointed out, he's a bloody guy, you know. Uh, and he fought many wars. And um, let's see what he says here. Uh, do, 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 do. You know what Joab, the son of Zeruiah, did to me and what he did to the two commanders of the armies of Israel. Uh, and he shed the blood of war in peacetime and put the blood of war on his belt that was around his waist and on his sandals that were on his feet. Therefore, do according to your wisdom and do not let his gray hair go down to the grave in peace. And so, um, you know, he's like, well, Joab was a good soldier and he followed me because I'm his king. That's good. But he did do a lot of rotten things. Mm -hmm. You know, he uh, uh, spilled the blood of war in peacetime, which that's bad. That's very wrong. Uh, and uh, so he's saying, don't, don't let him, uh, I guess, don't let him die old, I guess he's saying, you know make him die with his boots on <laughs> he did wrong he took life and so uh keep using him for you know for war until uh it kills him i guess it sounds like it's what he's saying right you yeah. know and that's kind of it's kind of like um well in most countries, well, I say most countries, in European and American countries, uh, I don't know if it's still the case, but what it used to be was if you're a criminal, if you killed somebody and this, that, the other, and they didn't want to, they were like, okay, what you did was very wrong, and uh, we're either going to send you to prison for life or just kill you, or you can go into the army. <laughs> Take your pick. Options are open. Yeah. And anybody, given those options, would say, um, I think I'll go to the army. Uh, and so there's a lot of soldiers who were in the army just because they did wrong. And, uh, you know, go fight or... Go to prison. Your time is going to be Those served either your, way. Your time is going to be served either way. You can either be useful. Uh, you can either uh, uh, pay your price in usefulness, or you can pay the price in uselessness. Either way, you're going to pay the either price. option. You're still going to have this going on. Yeah, and in the military, obviously, no a country that does that. I think most. Uh, European countries do, but Israel does that. Israel? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Honestly, I think it's, you know, it gives you a chance That's to... actually, I think, I was reading, this has been years ago, though, so things may have changed, Uh huh. because this has been like circa 2014. Yeah. But uh, that was their first sentence option for anybody who was not like 
did not have grounds to be, you know, killed. Right. Was you have X amount of years in the military, and if they said no, it's like, okay, well, you have X amount of years in jail. Yeah, yeah. You know, because, and, and I think that's a good way to do it. Me, personally, I think so, because, A, we don't need to load in prison if someone can revive right. themselves. Right. If you can be useful and you can serve your sin, it's like, it's like a different take on community service. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the military is... They'll straighten you up for the most they'll part. They'll straighten you up. They'll give you a reason to prosper because if you're a good soldier, A, you'll stay alive longer. Uh, and B, once you serve your time in the military, you just get out and you might have... You'll have more skills. You have options for college. You know, you and know. on top of that, if you have the the boldness uh, to steal, kill, or you know, um, you know that that takes boldness to to do evil things. It really does, um, because it's not. I don't feel like it's the easiest way to get things. It's it's immediate pleasure. It's not long term pleasure. Mm -hmm. And honestly, those are all skills that are useful in the military. You know, you got to be able to know how to, you know, fight. And uh, and in the military, you know, if you do wrong in civilian life, even just petty wrongness, like don't show up to your job or don't pay your taxes, you'll get punished eventually. You know, in some small way. In the military, if you do anything wrong, they go beat you butt. And, you know, there's certainly a thing uh, called capital punishment in the military. Um, and so anyway, he's kind of saying, use wisdom when dealing with these people. Um, Joab deserves to be in the military. Uh, deserves to... He'll probably do good in the military. Yeah, he'll you know, and you know, he's not a peaceful man. So use him in uh use him for what he's good for and uh you know uh it sounds like he's saying he kind of deserves to be there, so um uh, keep him there. Let him die with his boots on, you know. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Um Let's see. Unofficially, Doc Holliday's last word. Yes. And let's see. Ba, 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 ba. Other than his last phrasing, that is confirmed, by the way. Yeah. That he did not. He was not wearing boots when he died. Yeah. I'm a big Doc Holliday buff for everyone who is just wondering my sudden. <laughs> yeah. My sudden change of subject. And on top of that, you have Shimai the son of Gera, a Benjamite from Baharim, who cursed David with a malicious curse in the day that he went to Manhanaim. Uh, and so he did the kingdom wrong by doing that. But he came to King David at the Jordan and swore to him, saying, I will not put you to death. Uh, uh, but David, you know, came to him and swore, saying, I will not put you to death with the sword. But David now tells to Solomon, Do not hold him guiltless, for you are a wise man and know what you ought to do with him, but bring his hair down to the grave with blood. So he might be suggesting the same 
punishment for him. Um, that's, that's definitely sure. And uh, and so uh, it sounds like he's saying, uh, you know, he's going to be contemptuous. And so either a military occupation, he might even be saying, you know, uh, execute him. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what he's saying. But David is calling this wisdom. And so, you know, Solomon should not take this lightly. He is a king after all. And wisdom for a king is... Uh, uh, are you going to deal with that? It's fine. Okay. Um, put some wine on it. I know, right? Just dip it. Wisdom for a king is going to be different from somebody else just because a king has a lot more things to consider. They have a country con to consider. They have their people to consider. They have their own livelihoods and their own lineage to consider, and they have their duty to God to consider. And so all those things being said, if you've got somebody who is against or opposed to the king, you better deal with them wisely and keep them in check because uh, any move that they make could be a threat to the king. And that is certainly punishable by death. And so, um, ah, it just, it just sounds like he's saying, watch these guys, use your wisdom. And if you need to get rid of them, do so because, and they're not, they're not, you know, neither one of these guys, um, deserves an easy sentence joab is a killer by nature he's really good at the military so use him for his occupation and this other guy has cursed the king and deserves to die anyway so sounds like use him for your war purposes and if he needs to die with his boots on do so else you might just want to get rid of him uh he deserves it anyway uh and these are these are wise things for uh, for a king to understand, uh, we live in a very sanitized world where, you know, anytime somebody, anytime somebody does something illegal, it's just like put them in prison, you know, let them off, be gracious to them. But in this day and time back here in, you know, King David's time, you know, when somebody broke the law, they they had punishment, okay? And they were punished for good reason because when somebody breaks the law and they get caught and you don't punish them, then that tells everybody else that it's okay it's to okay do that. It's okay to do that. They'll get off scot-free. And uh, the death sentence has always been a punishment for breaking the law and especially treason against the king. Mm-hmm. And so neither one of these guys, uh, you know, either, either one of these guys could have been executed at any time. Joab for war crimes and this other guy for treason against the king. And so uh, really whatever sentence that Solomon deal, dishes out to them is, is justified. It really is. And so uh, David is just saying, use good wisdom. We're going to take a break there. We'll be right back. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. <laughs> All right, we're back. We are back. So 
Here it is, the death of David. Chapter 2, verse 10. So David rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. The period that David reigned over Israel was 40 years. Seven years he reigned in Hebron, and in Jerusalem he reigned 33 years. Then Solomon sat on the throne of his father David, and his kingdom was firmly established. So, do we know how old David was here? How old was David when he first started his kingdom? I'm going to look that up, because I know Dad had sent me something on that. Yeah. I want to say he was like 30 or something. 20 or 30 whenever he started. Oh, yeah, he was. Possibly older than that. Um, well, you know, him and Jonathan were, you know, teenagers. Yeah. Um, but, uh, anyway. The average conclusion is, after reigning for 40 years, yeah, so he was, he was 70. That's what I was thinking So he was 30 70. when he started his reign. Yeah, yeah, hey, hey, I hit the nail on the head. Not that I actually knew. It was so just it would have been guess. 70 years when he passed away. I guess. Okay, cool. So, which is actually pretty young as far as they go. Yeah, it really is. I mean... Oh, Methuselah. I mean, if you're going to look at the, you know, you know, Adam lived to be 900-something years old. Yeah, that... That is still a crazy concept for me to get my head around. That would be the equivalent of... me being born uh, at... Or before the Battle of Hastings in I know. 1066, the <laughs> Norman Conquest. English was not even around then as we know it. They would have spoken Old English, and English started forming um, in the 1200s. In the 1200s, yeah. yeah tw- I think it was and that's where German and English split. They were ri- German and English was originally the same language. It was Old yeah, English. It was old English. Um, and it started splitting right there. And the Germanic languages actually came from Dutch. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's so funny, all the Germanic languages go back to Dutch, which is hilarious. Anyway, that is just ridiculous. That is hard to I mean, head around. That anyway, it's crazy. But David didn't live that long. He no. Uh, let's see. Um, now Adonijah, the son of Haggith came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon. So she said, Do you come peaceably? Peaceably. And he said, "Uh, Peaceably. Moreover, he said, I have something to say to you. She said, Say it. Then he said, You know that the kingdom was mine, and all Israel had set their expectations on me, that I should reign. However, the kingdom has been turned over and has become my brother's, for it was his from the Lord. Now I ask one petition of you. Do not deny me. You are not in a position to ask anything like this, doofus. And she said to him, say it. I mean, my goodness. He's like, look, everybody knows that I was king, but... Apparently, the Lord decided that Solomon is king, so whatever. But I ask of you a position, and don't you deny me. I'd be like, you know, you could go go, uh, uh, climb up 
you can go bark up the wrong tree for all I care, you know, go get lost, you know. And she said to him, say it, very gracious. I would have just told him to get lost. Then he said, please speak to King Solomon, for he will not refuse you, that he may give me Abishag, the Shunammite, as wife. So Bathsheba said, oh, very well, I will speak for you to the king. Bathsheba therefore went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah. And the king rose up to meet her and bowed down to her and sat down on his throne and had a throne set for the king's mother. So she sat at his right hand. Then she said, I desire one small petition of you. Do not refuse me. God, I just went, I mean, I would really like to be able to use that now. You know, hey, you know, hey Brig, I've got a question for you. Don't you refuse me either. <laughs> you know, it's like, geez. You know, I feel if it's like, you know, hey, uh, uh, I got a question. Don't you refuse me? Better answer it. Uh, I want you to go. I want to buy you dinner, and don't you, you know, don't say no. You know, it's like, oh, ha, you're doing something good for me. Ah, oh, okay, I can do that. But this is like, you know, I want to marry such and such. Don't you refuse me? Uh, sure, okay, whatever. All to yours. It's like, like what? That doesn't go over real well now. No. You know? <laughs> I'm going to start using that, you know? Mother, I have a petition, and don't you refuse me? Yeah. Let me know how that works. Yeah, it probably won't. I would like a new car. Eight-cylinder, I think. Inline eight, actually. Not that an inline eight is any better, but that's what I want, because it's fun. Is that even a thing? Mm, I think there has been a couple. Inline six is kind of the standard as far as balance goes. But inline eight is, I think, kind of unnecessary. Uh, my what my car shall have eight hundred horsepower, stick shift, red <laughs> convertible. I can see my mom just being like, "Yeah, yeah, you're gonna be one sorry dude when you don't get it," because <laughs> it's not happening. Uh, but don't you deny me, mother. <laughs> anyway. She said, I desire one small petition of you. Do not refuse me. The king said to her, ask it, my mother, for I will not refuse you. So she said, let Abishag the Shunammite be given to Adonijah, your brother, his wife. I mean, think about it, dear boy. You have the kingdom. He just wants to last. I mean... Fair? I don't know. And King Solomon answered and said to his mother, Now, why do you ask Abishag, the Shunammite, for Adonijah? Why would you do that to her? Poor girl. Just kidding. He didn't Ouch. say that. <clears throat> now, why do you ask Abishag? Abishag. That's a terrible name. The Shunammite for Adonijah. Ask for him the kingdom also, for he is my older brother, for him and Ab Abiathar the priest, and for Joab the son of Zeruiah. Then King Solomon swore by the Lord, saying, May God do so to me, and more also, if Adonijah has not spoken this word against his own life. Now therefore, as the Lord lives, 
who has confirmed me and set me on the throne of David my father, and who has established a house for me, as he promised, Adonijah shall be put to death this day, uh, shall be put to death today. So King Solomon sent by the hand of Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, and he struck him down and he died. So, uh, that was option number three, wasn't it? Yes. Let's see, uh, it was uh, um, do nothing, banished, or death. Option number three has just been fulfilled. Uh, He tried to steal Solomon's throne. Big, big, big no-no. And then, I mean, it sounds like it's like, okay, he just got the throne. And now I'm going to go say, hey, give me a girl. Huh? I really want a woman right now. Give it. Give it. I mean, like, dude, are you? why don't you wait a little bit, you know, or go get somebody else. I don't know. Give um, it to me. It's like the the, the, the girl in... Uh... What is it? Uh, Willy Wonka and Chocolate Factory? I want it now! I want it now! And so, I mean, just like... Someone's like, look, dude, you ask a lot. And I was thinking about saving you and not killing you, but you know what? I think it would be easier if I just get rid of you all together. You know? Yeah, you've... Uh, you have... Uh, uh, <laughs> you've ran this gravy train on biscuit wheels to its end, son. That is right. In this life... Uh... Anyway, I was going to say something funny, but it, didn't, it decided not to be very funny. So, bye-bye, Adonijah. So, and to Abiathar, the priest, the king said, Go to Anathoth, to your own fields, for you are deserving of death. But I will not put you to death at this time because you carried the ark of the Lord God before my father David and because you were afflicted every time my father was afflicted. So Solomon removed Abiathar from being priest to the Lord that he might fulfill the word of the Lord which he spoke concerning the house of Eli at Shiloh. Wow, I don't remember what what was said there. I don't remember it either. Um, But uh, anyway... Then news came to Joab, for Joab had defected to Adonai. Oh, see, Joab. Joab goes where there's power. It sounds like, mm-hmm. you know, and I think he knew that David would be king for in the long term. So he, you know, Solomon, you mean? Uh, no, David, and oh. so he stuck with David. Um, but uh, yeah, wait a minute. Yes. But anyway, uh, sounds like he thought Adonijah would make a good king too, and he had the power, and so he went with him. But anyway, Abiathar is... Removed. I didn't say that he killed Abiathar, did it? Carried the ark of the Lord before my father David, because you're afflicted every time my father was afflicted. So Solomon removed Abiathar from being priest of the Lord. So Abiathar is no longer priest of the Lord. Okay. Um, which he spoke concerning the words uh, of the Lord, which he spoke concerning the house of Eli at Shiloh. 
So anyway, then the news came to Joab, for Joab had defected to Adonijah. Not a smart move. Though he had not defected to Absalom. So Joab fled to the tabernacle of the Lord and took hold of the horns of the altar. And King Solomon was told, Joab has fled to the tabernacle of the Lord. There he is by the altar. Then Solomon sent Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, saying, Go strike him down. So Benaiah uh, went to the tabernacle of the Lord and said to him, Thus says the king, Come out. And he said, No, but I will die here. And Benaiah brought back word to the king, saying, Thus said Joab, and thus he answered me. The king said to him, Do as he has said, and strike him down and bury him, that you may take away from me and from the house of my father the innocent blood which Joab shed. So the Lord will return his blood on his head, because he struck down two men more righteous and better than he, and killed them with the sword, Abner the son of Ner, the commander of the army of Israel, and Amasa the son of Jether, the commander of the army of Judah though my father David did not know it. Their blood shall therefore return upon his head of Joab and upon the head of the descendants forever. But upon David and his descendants, upon this house and his throne, there shall be peace forever from the Lord. So Benaiah the son of Jehoiada went up and struck and killed him, and he was buried in his own house in the wilderness. The king put Benaiah the son of Jehoiada in his place over the army. And the king put Zadok the priest in place of Abiathar. Um, so I had kind of forgotten about that. And so what 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 he had said, what God, what David had told um, Solomon about Joab was, uh, remember who he killed. Uh, he killed the commanders of the armies of Israel, Abner the son of Ner, and Amasa the son of Jether. And I'm not a hundred percent sure. What all is going on here? Because he says, you know, he killed two men that were both... It's like he's flashbacking. More righteous, ...more righteous than him. Now, Abner, the son of Ner, was... He sided with... Um, uh, I forget his name, but it was Solomon's... One of Solomon's... Not Solomon. One of uh, Saul's sons... And Abner was trying to get him the kingship. Uh, and so Abner was working against David. And so one would think that David would be, you know, uh, a little less compassionate towards him. But David did say, hey, don't you kill Abner. Right. You know, and I remember him saying that. Don't do that. And I forget, I forget the reasons why, and it doesn't really make sense to me right now. Um, but he did issue a warning about, you know, hey, leave Abner alone, don't kill him. And Joab did kill him. Um, and then the other guy that he killed, uh, ba, 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 ba. let's see. Do, 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 do. Well, the other guy he killed. He was the commander of the army of uh, Abner and Amasa, the son of Jether, commander of the army of Judah. And I forgot 
I forgot what his story was. Um, but anyway, anyway, uh, yeah, so Joab was killed. And that's just as David was saying, hey, don't let him, you know, uh, I thought he was, I thought he was saying, um, what I thought David was telling Solomon, don't, um, Let's see, do not, he said, do not let his gray hair go down to the grave in peace, which I thought he was saying, you know, hey, keep him in the army, let him go around and do your military stuff, uh, let him die with his boots on. But no, I, apparently Solomon took it as, you probably want to get rid of this guy because of the innocent blood that he shed. Right, so it's time to kill him. It's time to kill him. So, Yeah. That's strong words. Yeah, yeah. But that being said, I think that this is really good here because he was killed for shedding innocent blood. Okay. Now, generals, commanders, military nowadays, and not just nowadays, but for generations and gen hundreds of years, you know, most of them don't pay for innocent blood that they shed during war. No. Most of them get away with it. You know, they have their own consciences that will punish them for it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just looked over. Oh, it's war. War is hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it sounds like here God's putting an end to innocent bloodshed. And so, you know, get rid of these guys. They shed innocent blood, and so that blood is on their heads. And on top of that, Solomon had another reason to get rid of Joab because he sided with um, uh, with Abiathar. Oh, no, no, not Abiathar, but with uh, Adonijah. So it's like, dude, you're asking for it. So it got rid of him. So anyway, both of them are gone. So, yeah. Shimei executed. Then the king sent and called for Shimei and said to him, Build yourself a house in Jerusalem and dwell here and dwell there. And do not go out from there anywhere, for it shall be on the day that you go out and cross the brook Kidron. Know for certain you shall surely die. Your blood shall be on your head. And Shimei said to the king, The saying is good, as my lord the king has said, so your servant will do. So Shimei dwelt in Jerusalem many days. Now it happened at the end of three years that two slaves of Shimei ran away to Atshish, the son of Macha, king of Gath. And they told Shimei, saying, Look, your slaves are in Gath. So Shimei rose, saddled his donkey, and went to Atshish at Gath to seek his slaves. Shimei went and brought his slaves from Gath, and Solomon was told that Shimei had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and had come back. Then the king sent and called for Shimei and said to him, Did I not make you swear by the Lord and warn you, saying, Know for certain that on the day you go out and travel anywhere, you shall surely die? And you said to me, The word I have heard is good. Why then have you not kept the oath of the Lord and the commandment that I gave you? The king said moreover to Shimei, You know, as your heart acknowledges, all the wickedness that you did to my father David. 
Therefore, the Lord will return your wickedness on your own head. But King Solomon shall be blessed, and the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. So the king commanded uh, Benaiah, uh, the son of Jehoiada, and he went out and struck him down, and he died. Thus the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. That's the end of chapter 2. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. And we're back. <laughs> uh, yes. So, what are your thoughts? We're seeing a repeat. We're seeing I a repeat. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're seeing you a repeat. Know? And it's funny how you continue to see this throughout the Bible, like with Abraham yeah. and you the just descendants, see, therefore. You just see God clearing the way using just and right means, you know. Um, God is clearing the way for the people that he has anointed, you know, uh, which is. That's really awesome because. When God keeps a promise, he keeps a promise. All right. And that's, you know, he's kept a promise to all these different people. And even the people that, you know, God's like, hey, uh, I promise this and that. And then they just, you know, send their worst against God. God's like, I'm still keeping my promise, but you're going to pay in different ways. Right. You know. Um, and God's like, you know do this and i will do this oh you broke that okay so i'm going to be graceful you know and deal with you graciously but you still deserve everything that i said that i'd give you you know i mean you still deserve you know you know you, you kind of broke you kind of broke the agreement right and though i will be gracious with you you still deserve to be punished right uh but anyway what we see here is this clearing out oh actually what i was going to say before keep that train of thought is um uh, we have a hope of salvation right a promise from god right and so even though we sin against him uh god is still clearing the way for his people his anointed to uh to serve him and to be in heaven with him for everlasting. You might get, you know, the, uh, uh, you might get the, the trailer park home of heaven, but the trailer park house in heaven is going to be way better yeah. than the biggest, uh, most incredible mansion here on earth. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's saying something because there's some really nice places here on earth, you know, uh, any good castle or kingdom, just like, wow, that's awesome. Uh, but, uh, like my uncle used to say, uh, being the garbage man in heaven is, you know, infinitely better being than a being a king here on earth. And I'm just like, dude, thank you. Because, you know. I certainly don't deserve to be a king on earth or in heaven, but uh, that gives me hope. And God gives us his promises, and he will clear the way for his people. He will. He will. He will move heaven and earth to uh, fulfill his promises. And so 
just like we saw with David, God made several promises to David. And uh, there were so people, regions, countries, kings, children. So many different people were against David. But God said, David, you're my anointed king, and you will be king. So you're all right. Mm-hmm. And all throughout David's, you know, uh, life, he trusted in God, and he and just it did. It took him places. He just did what he should have done as king, or you know, even just as protecting his life. Yeah, you know, he didn't touch, you know, Saul because uh, Saul was the king. He was the king, and he trusted that. Um, you know, that God was going to fulfill his promise to make him king. And so he's like, Saul cannot touch me. He just cannot touch me. And so, you know, I can be as bold as a lion uh, and it's not foolish. It's, it's just, it's boldness, you know, uh, because he has a foundation and a hope in his kingship because God said it. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the same hope that we have. And, uh, so we too can be bold, just like David, um, and we have all of the promises that God gives us in Scripture. Now, God did not promise you or me, you know, hey, Brig, you're my anointed king over Texas. You're my anointed king over nice. Texas, Brig, and uh, um, you know, if you if you follow me and trust me, then you will have many cattle. And you will have, eat much barbecue, and uh, all the ranchers will bow down, bow down to you, uh, and it's going to be great. You will ring, rule over Texas. No, God does not promise that. Sadly, sorry, Greg. Darn. Um, you had my hopes up there. For but me. He did promise that to David. Okay. Not He didn't promise David Texas, but the next best best thing. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Ooh, I wow. should have said that. Should Oosh. not have said that. Uh, but uh, he promised David great things and fulfilled that and paved David's way to get that. And so um, David could be bold in everything that he did because he trusted in God. Um, God made some very specific promises to David, but he makes specific promises to us in the Bible. And so we can trust those promises. We should trust those promises. It gives us a hope of salvation and we too can be bold just as David. Yeah. Absolutely. In the areas that God has given us promises that we should be bold in. And I'm just as, you know, I'll be the first to say that I do not live my life according to that boldness, you know, as I should. Oh, yeah. No, you neither know. do I. Boy, I mean, uh, you know, what boldness we should have for God and I, you know, in God, what boldness we should have in God and for God. Uh, and I don't use that, you know, the way that I should. And so anyway, that gives me things to work on, uh, just because God has done great things for me and possibly, and we'll continue. possibly through me. Um, and those are all things, those are all areas that we need to trust in God, just like David did. And so I don't think that you should be, or anybody should be just like David, because obviously he was adulterer, a murderer, uh david shed some innocent blood okay yeah we we shouldn't be exactly like david but we can be just like david as he was just like christ as he right. emulated he was a type christ. Of christ right and those good 
qualities are things that we should definitely strive to be. And we can say, you know, we can call out David here because uh, God gave David these good qualities and we would, uh, we should uh, aspire to have those good qualities that reflect uh, God's holiness and righteousness and truth. Um, And so we see here Solomon is getting the same deal, you know. He is. Uh, it's like he's starting off on the same foot. On the same foot, you know. Uh, David said, Solomon, you will be my king. You will be king when I die. Right. Uh, so you are a king, Solomon. My heir to the throne. And he is uh, basically given the same promises that David is. Mm-hmm. And so God's like, okay, well, if Solomon's the next in line, then... Solomon gets the same treatment, you know. Uh, all of these people who are opposed to David and who could be a threat to Solomon, I'm going to get rid of them. Uh, and none of them, all of them deserved what they got. Oh, yeah. Okay. Adonijah was a traitor and tried to uh, overthrow or steal the throne of Solomon. And, you know, that's uh, a big no no. That's always been, you know, hey, if you want to be copacetic and work with me, I'll work with you. But you try to that's take kind of throne, David's claim to you're throne. dead. That's claim that's option throne. number three. Is you dead? Okay. And you're working very close to that. Okay. Uh, and so he just became annoying to Solomon, and Solomon was like, "You know what? You kind of deserve this, and so I'm going to go ahead and do it. It's going to protect my kingdom. Me and you deserve it. So bye, bye, Adonijah. Okay. So he got option number three. All right." Um, and then, uh, this guy, uh, what's his name? Oh, no, 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 no. Abiathar. What happened to Abiathar? Well, uh, God promised earlier, I guess, uh, uh, he, God spoke concerning the house of Eli at Shiloh that Abiathar, uh, for his sins, I guess, um, Abiathar the priest, the king said, Go to uh, uh, Anathoth to your own fields, for you are deserving of death, but I will not put you to death at this time, because you carried the ark of the Lord before God, my father David, and because you were afflicted every time my father was afflicted. So Solomon removed Abiathar from being priest of the Lord, that he might fulfill the word of the Lord, which he spoke concerning the house of Eli at Shiloh. So he, you know, he used option number two, right? Exile. He banished him. Hey, bye. I'm not going to kill you. I'm being gracious to you. I won't kill you now. You certainly deserve it. But because, you know, you hung in there with my dad at certain times, I'm thankful for that. Because, you know, God thought that you were worthy enough to carry his ark. For those reasons, I ain't going to kill you now, though you deserve it. But I am banishing you. So, bye. You know, uh in the words of Jim Carrey in The Mask. Yeah. Now get out of here, kid. You're bothering me. He's not bothering me. And uh, so Joab, you know, I think that Joab would have been dealt with, you know, fairly, you know, banishment maybe. Um, just, you know, go fight in a war and maybe you'll die there. Maybe you won't. I don't know. Uh, but Joab decided, ah, this Abiathar guy. Well, not Abiathar, this uh, Adonijah guy. I'm going to go side with him. 
because this Solomon dude ain't David, so to heck with him. I'm going to go for a uh, for uh, uh, Adonijah because he seems like the real deal. Mm-hmm. And so Solomon's like, dude, what? I already had really good reason to get rid of you, okay? And now you're giving me more reason. That's called treason. Bye. And so by a third. Uh, Adios. So Joab was killed. And what did Joab do? He, he, he you know, uh, he fled to the... Uh, Where'd he go? Sound like the temple or something. Uh, yeah, he went to the tabernacle, you know, and hid in there. You know, it's kind of like you know, don't kill me. Where am I gonna hide? I'll go to the church. I'll be safe there. I'll be safe there. You know, uh, sorry. You know, what you did outside of the church is, you know, walking in the doors isn't gonna help you any anymore. You know, sorry. Uh, by the way, God's judging you, not me. So, uh, you're probably even less safe in the tabernacle. Uh, but anyway, so he thought that he could flee by being in, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of a childish thing, honestly. It is. You know, when you get, when you get caught, uh. When you get caught doing something you shouldn't, you immediately... Okay, so here's an example, something that I did. I was supposed to be uh, doing... I was supposed to be cleaning my room. I don't know what I was supposed to be doing, but that's as good a thing as any. Um, and Mom was like, Stuart, you need to clean your room. Uh, so go do it. And I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And eventually... You know, I saw mom was coming to, uh, you know, make sure that I was doing what she told me to. What did I do? I found the nearest Bible. I sat down on the couch and I started reading it. You know, look at me. I'm doing something really good and righteous for a change. Please don't hurt me. Don't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That's just lying to yourself and to mom. So I deserve to be spanked for that. I wasn't spanked. God, I mean, uh, mom was just kind of like, uh-huh, uh-huh, nice try. Uh-huh, go clean, go clean your room, kid. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, that's basically what that's basically what Joab did, you know. Uh, fled to the temple. You won't hurt me in the house of God, will you? Um, yes, I will. Yeah, <laughs> actually. So anyway, uh, got rid of him, and that kind of sums it up. Um, oh wait, and Shemai was executed, um, and he was given a really good deal, but, you know, he should have thought about that a little harder. Oh, nobody will know. Yeah, sure. So anyway, Shemai was gotten rid of also, and so basically, the fields are clean, there's no enemies out there, everything, you know, the path is straight, you know, Solomon has got all of his enemies, or... Everybody who's opposed to the throne is out of the way, and it's just kind of clean sailing, right? And so, uh, just like just like God did for David, while David was, you know, uh, trusting in God, while David was uh, uh, right in God's eyes, obviously things went south for him. Whenever, or north, as it were, whenever, <laughs> <laughs> whenever he uh, sinned with, uh, well, he Bathsheba. made some, yeah, he made some mistakes that, well, everything, the rest of everything his life. was going peachy. For David, he had it made. 
you know, God had cleaned out all of his enemies, gave David the throne, and David was living on cloud nine. You know, he had, he had, you know. He was um, doing it. Yeah, he was, it was just like great. And then David sinned with Bathsheba, and God was like, oh, son, you blew it. You blew it. And let's uh, let's not let's not pretend like God didn't know that was gonna happen. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That was that was all part of you know the 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 plan. So From the get go. Anyway, um, Solomon's getting the same treatment, and he's uh, all of his enemies are out of the way, and it's just clean sailing. So we'll see where it takes us, and. Um, I think that's all that we've got here. And uh, we'll see, see where Solomon goes from here. Yeah, we'll see where Solomon goes from here. So, uh, adios. I'll be with y'all and adios.